Welcome back to Backpoints. Today's state champion guest is Stacy Woodhouse, a two-time champion and a three-time finalist from Great Bridge High School. He's going to tell us what it was like in the Great Bridge wrestling room when they were an unstoppable force in Virginia and one of the top-ranked wrestling programs in the country. Let's get right into it and hear about his journey to a state title. He taught me to get up when I didn't want to get up, when I wanted to quit. I had high goals, man. I've always had high goals. And so when I won it, I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, you guys are right. It's not the thrill of winning. It's the joy of having that personal goal and being able to achieve that and walk off the mat with your head held high and with your hand up. You know, you were just constantly drilling and drilling fast. That was when I really started doing the kind of wrestling that I was capable of. Anybody that steps in the ring and just decides to commit the entire time is a state champion in my in my book. Welcome back to another episode of Back Points, the podcast where top wrestlers and coaches reveal their secrets about how they won state titles in high school wrestling. Today we have a great guest. He's both a two-time state champ and a wrestler from Great Bridge High School. Uh, and he's currently building an organic, sustainable farm in North Carolina. Welcome to Backpoints. Stacy Woodhouse is here with us today. What's up, Will? How's it going? Great to have you here. Uh, it's an honor. I, I appreciate you inviting me. I, have, I don't get a chance to talk wrestling much, so this is fun. Well, this is what, this is what we're all about here. And we also want to hear about the farm. And so why don't we start off by, by asking you the question, what's more difficult, winning a state championship in wrestling or building a an organic farm. Oh, there's nothing I've done since I left uh, wrestling that's tougher than wrestling. I mean, besides, uh, and and that's one of the be- great benefits of wrestling is that you you go through things that you um, that toughen you for life. You know, and and that's one of the main drivers that and one of the main benefits of wrestling. Um, you couldn't pay me enough money to go back through a four hour Steve Martin wrestling practice. I mean, there's not enough money in this world for me to go through that for even a year. Um, so, (laughs) you know, it's something, and there's personal stuff, obviously that, you know, you deal with the death of a loved one or something that is emotionally difficult, but physically, um, mentally, uh, there's nothing that compares to wrestling. So you, you brought up your coach, Steve Martin. And um, you were a part of his wrestling team for four years. Were you a part of uh, the Great Bridge kind of feeder program before that, leading up to high school? I uh, I went I went to the junior high in Great Bridge. Um, I was actually I started wrestling in uh, Western Branch actually, uh, which is a big competitor to Great Bridge. And we moved over to uh, Great Bridge uh, for mostly, actually, a lot of people don't know I was a baseball player, too. And so we moved over for baseball and wrestling um, when I was in junior high. And, um, you know, a common misconception was that, you know, Steve would go around uh, recruiting people, which he didn't. I mean, he didn't ask us to come. He didn't probably even know who I was, you know, um, until I came over there and started wrestling with his guys. But um, no, we, we made the decision to go to Great Bridge and um, my parents had a chance to buy a, buy a lot on a lake at Great Bridge. And so that, that was the reason we were there. So I'm sorry. So you were there for, for baseball? Baseball and wrestling. Yeah. So I was a, I was a catcher um, and a pitcher and, um, you know, was, was fairly good. Um, I, and I probably could have gone to college for either. 
And you ended up going to American University and you wrestled in, at AU, I think. I did. Um, they dropped their funding for the program my going into my junior year, I believe. Um, and you know, I, I, I separated my shoulder my freshman year there. It actually the first tournament I went to. Um, and I just really wasn't the same after that. Um, that kind of ended my wrestling career. I tried to keep on going and then they dropped the program and, um, you know, wrestling full time as a, as a job in college, uh, working to make some extra money and not getting paid to wrestle is, is, uh, was not on the list for me. So, uh, when they, when they said, well, you can still wrestle, but we won't be uh, giving you a scholarship anymore. I said, well, you have a good day. I, I will be done now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a job. I mean, when you're in college, that's your job is to wrestle and, and to, uh, to work a job and not get paid is, is, uh, effectively is, was, was not good, especially when I was in a situation where I had to make money to pay for school. So. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a tough story that we're hearing. I mean, ODU just dropped their program very recently. Um, <sighs> you know, which your coach, Steve Martin moved over to a course. And, you know, so it's, it's unfortunately a, a story that's continuing where pro colleges continue to drop programs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, wrestling just doesn't put people in the stands. It's not a big moneymaker. And when, so when colleges look at what to drop, um, you know, I mean, maybe barring like an Iowa, it packs the stadium, but you know, there's, you know, it's not a big money maker when they look for places to cut. You know, nobody cries when you cut the wrestling program besides wrestlers, you know. Unfortunately, um, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So I understand that. And, and uh, and you know, but it's not like, it's not like, you know, you go to college to wrestle and then you have an MBA of wrestling. I mean, you have ultimate fighting now, but um, you better have something else figured out, you know. Uh, and that goes for any sport, but there's not like this feeder program into a lucrative career unless you want to, you know, you're one of the few people that gets paid to bludgeon people for the next 10 years. So you, uh, so it, it was a job for you in college was, did you also think of it as a job in high school? Uh, I, I know I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed, um, wrestling in high school. Um, of course, nobody enjoys you know, the grueling practices. I mean, from the time I was in junior high, you know, I don't think a lot of people that went to other schools realize, you know, from the time you're in junior high, if you're one of the top wrestlers, you know, you're practicing every day um, and you're doing morning practices, you're doing uh, four hour practices in the, in the, in the evening and you're wrestling on Saturday and then you're getting them up on Sunday and running seven miles on Sunday. Um, so it, you know, nobody enjoys that, but when you get to on Wednesday and Saturday, when you get to go and, and perform, uh, you know, yeah, I, lo I love that. I love that. Um, but it, but it was also a means to get an education. You know, it's, um, my parents told me pretty early on, probably I was a freshman or so. And my dad's like, you know, you know, you know, um, and probably more people know my dad than me actually is a ref been a referee uh, in Virginia for a long time. Um, but he was like, you know, he's like, you know, those things, co college funds that you hear your friends have and stuff. I'm like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you don't have one. Um, so, you know, you can either get a scholarship or when you graduate, you can get a job. Um, but you're not going to be in this house when you, when you graduate. Um, and it wasn't, you know, my dad and I have had a wonderful relationship and I love my dad to death. I mean, he lives on my farm now. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was just the way it was. I mean, this is what his dad told him and, and that's just, and that's just how it was. So, um, I took that to heart. 
And I knew um, I didn't concentrate. I mean, I probably didn't open a book, unfortunately, um, my whole um, my whole high school career. Um, but so I knew it wasn't academics because it was going to get me in there. And so I, I focused on wrestling and, and getting a scholarship. And that's what I did. Did you so did you play baseball all through high school as well? Or did you stop doing that focus on that? Um, I think Steve had talk with me like after my sophomore year and he was like, you know, Woodhouse, if you want to go to college for wrestling, you gotta, you gotta, you have to wrestle year round, you know, I guess stop this baseball stuff. And, uh, and I had a, um, I, to this day, I have an injury on my left, my catching hand, um, in my wrist and, and that I could tape up for wrestling. And once I got into the match and kind of just didn't feel the pain, um, but it, it catching, and, and swinging a bat just, you know, it was excruciating. Um, it just, it just rolled over that joint more for some reason. Um, and so I kind of, the combination of those things and the pressure to, you know, continue to wrestle year round, I, I just, I stopped playing baseball. Um, but funny enough, um, after I got a scholarship into, um, uh, American university, um, I got a call from a semi-pro wooden bat league, um, after my senior year of, of, and I hadn't swung a bat in, in two years at that point. And I said, look, we need a catcher for our semi-pro team. It was a, what is, I was playing with the same Tidewater Tides guys and those guys. And they said, I said, I haven't swung a bat in two years. And they said, well, just come out and just, you know, we know you're, you were a good baseball player. Let's just see what you can do. So I came out and like uh, off the bench, so to speak, and batted like 500 in a semi-pro wooden bat league after two years and not even touching a ball. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, man, maybe I, maybe I made the wrong decision. Uh, but, uh, but, it, 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 but in that time, my wrist flared up again. And, and I, and I, re I did realize that I had to make the right decision. Like I, I just, I, I was never going to be a pro baseball player unless I had some major surgery or something. And, uh, it was probably not going to be a longevity thing for me. So, um, I, I'm, I'm at peace. I'm glad to have, cause I'm kind of at peace with what the way it worked out. I'm sure you don't remember this, but I, you and I met when you were at American University because I came up for a camp. I was a okay. new wrestler, and I remember you having, I believe, I think you had a shoulder injury, but you were very helpful. It was great. It was great meeting you, and and you and I'm and and there's there's no way you know this, but I actually somehow I got a, a VHS copy of your uh, one of your state finals matches when I was uh, when I was a freshman in high school. And so, and I remember it was one of the few, you know, back then we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have any right. way of, of studying tapes. And so, mm -hmm. so I studied your, your finals match or that was one of, that was one of the very few things that I had. So, uh, so I'm pretty familiar with, with, uh, with your, with your stuff. So, but I didn't realize the injuries were, were so, um, what were so, you know, kind of so prevalent with you. Yeah, I had quite a few injuries in, in high school. I mean, um, the, the college one was, I mean, I think I was wrestling the Chattanooga guy. He was a senior. I was a freshman, you know, and I was beating him pretty badly. He chose top in second period, and he just literally just grabbed my wrist and ran it up my neck and just separated my shoulder. Um, it was just like, he was just like, I'm at least going to hurt you, you know, if I can't beat you. And I ended up still beating him. I, I finished that match with a separated shoulder. And I hit um, an All American from Virginia the next round, and uh, and went four to two with him with a separated shoulder, and as a true freshman. So, um, and then I ran, then I continued to wrestle for about a month and a half, 
with a tor completely torn labrum and a separated shoulder um, because the, the, the school uh, orthopedic didn't want to give me an MRI. And uh, he was like, oh, if, if, uh, if it hurt, if it was torn, you know, or separated, you would, it would hurt so bad, you wouldn't be able to stand it. And uh, I was like, well, it hurts pretty bad, you know. And uh, so anyway, they, they finally did an MRI. And we're like, oh, we're sorry about that, you know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and then, and then in high school, I mean, I, my, my junior year, I believe, um, my workout, I worked out with 89 pounder. I was a 52 pounder. Mm -hmm. And um, Eric Leonard is a great guy and uh haven't kept in touch with him but he's a wonderful guy and um and so uh eric we were wrestling and and i wrestled with him because it was the closest weight that i could actually get some competition with in the room and uh because he was he was so strong and uh and he he was on top and he fell down on me and i hit my shoulder just right and it broke these three top ribs and fractured my sternum in three places mm. um and i finished that was a couple months into the season and I, I won state that year with, with that injury. So. I see. I see. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think I saw that match on tape and I would not have guessed that you'd had that kind of injury through it. Yeah. Yeah. That state that, that my junior state title, I had um, fractured sternum and three broken ribs and nobody, nobody knew, um, you know, it wasn't, of course we didn't, we didn't advertise that. Um, but every, every morning I wake up with a heating pad, you know, so I could get out of bed and, you know, go to practice. You transferred into the great bridge middle school in seventh grade. And that was when you began morning practices and three, four hour, uh, afternoon practices year round with the exception of the baseball season. Um, and, and then some, at some point, maybe your sophomore year, you started to focus exclusively on wrestling. Yeah. When I, when I was, even when I was in seventh grade and eighth grade, I mean, I would go and I'll go and run with the, with the high school guys, um, you know, on, on Sundays after the Saturday practice, um, you know, which was, which was completely a no, no to run on Sundays, you know, but it was, it was voluntary. It was voluntary. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean it, from, from that and, and most, that's the way, I mean, when Carl Perry was in seventh grade, I mean, he did the same thing and, uh, and you know, the guys, it wasn't the whole seventh grade class, but you know, they would kind of pick a few people that they thought, um, you know, were at the level where they could, they could do that. And, and I was, I guess one of those, but when I came to great bridge, there's actually more people that knew me through baseball than who knew me through wrestling. So it wasn't like I came on the scene and, and people were like, Oh, well, Stacy Woodhouse is coming to, you know, great bridge for wrestling. It wasn't like that at all. Um, in fact, when I came to great bridge, I knew two moves. I knew, well, actually maybe, maybe three. I, I knew a double leg. I knew a headlock and I knew a half. Now I beat a lot of people with those three moves. I mean, I, I even when I was in Western branch as a as a kid, you know, um, I was placing in state at the freestyle tournaments and things like that. Um, but I didn't know anything. I mean, I, I, and, and I got there and, and, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people know about Steve, you know, and, and, but, um, you know, Wayne Martin, uh, was in that room every day, you know, and, and he was, he was in the junior high room when I was there. And I mean, when, when I was in eighth grade, I mean, Wayne and I would go at it. You know, and and he was he was like my technician before I even got to high school. So by the time I got to high school, I mean I was technically ready to go. 
Um, and I traveled when, when Wayne would do the Granby camps traveling around, he, they took me with them and we would go all around the Southeast, you know, on the weekends teaching Granby camps. So that was, so that, so really not to dissect it too much here, but you know, you, so basically that's two solid years of kind of the Granby great bridge program prior to prior to high school. Right. Right. Yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty well indoctrinated by that point. And, uh, and it, I mean, I came into high school just like every other great bridge kid that had been there their whole life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so there is a distinction then between the great bridge kids who kind of grow up in that system and they've been indoctrinated in it maybe for many more years. And then other folks like you who start in middle school, but get that, you know, that really total immersion into the Great Bridge system. And so, you know, maybe you pick it up after a couple of years and and uh, and really uh, internalize it and become a, a great part of the program. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I came early enough. Um, you know, if you came in junior high, you're fine. But I mean, we had we had a lot of kids that came over, thought they wanted to come over to Great Bridge and, and wrestle for Great Bridge. And, you know, they would come over and, and say as a sophomore in, in high school and just couldn't handle the practices, you know, and, and just couldn't couldn't. They're like, well, I'm not doing this every day, you know. And so they would just go back home, you know, they, and, and they would never come um, or they would come over and the second string great, great bridge kid would be beating the tar out of them, you know. And so they were like, well, I'm never going to make the team. You know, what's, what's the purpose of this? Um, so, yeah, that that happened a lot. That happened actually a lot. How many guys would be would come out and stay on the team when you were there? Would it be seventy five guys or you know thirty five? <clears throat> you know, Steve never cut anybody. There was never a cut ever. Um, it, it was kind of attrition, you know, through pain. You know, I mean, people just people just I mean, just a certain amount of people just wanted to stay there, and uh, it was probably. I say we had 35, maybe 35 in the room. Interesting. Um, maybe, maybe 40. Um, and I, I, I'm very open to be remembering that wrong. Uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say 40 ish people maybe. Yeah, that's it. So, um, I have been talking to a number of coaches and, you know, the Robinson coach was telling me they have about 75 come out and they, they don't have a huge room, but they divide it up into JV and, and varsity. I would imagine with 35, it sounds like they would all work out together or, or in your, in just in general, it sounds like great bridge would have one big practice. Yeah, that's right. And then, so what was the off season like? I mean, was it um, just a continuation of the season kind of, you know, same intensity? Well, it wasn't the same intensity. I mean, um, one thing, Steve, I think I, I give him a lot of credit for is he really understood, I guess, through Gable, how to, um, how to, how to peak, and then let your body rest. And a lot of people look at Gable and look at his system and the brands brothers. And they just, they just train themselves to death, you know, and they just, they run their body down. And, and a lot of people think they're emulating. It's like watching a great martial artist and you think you're doing what they're doing, but you're really, you know, hurting your hands or whatever it is. And um, he really understood the cycle. I mean, when, when we were heading to the state tournament, uh, the week before the state tournament, we were playing Frisbee. You know, we weren't even wrestling. Uh, we might roll around a little bit, but we were playing basketball and frisbee and and letting our bodies rest. So we were at you know full full uh, capacity. 
Um, so in the summertime, it was a little bit of that. I mean, we still ran a lot. We concentrated on running, lifting weights, uh, cardio, and keeping. So when we get got back into the fall, it wouldn't be a shock to our bodies for the cardio. Um, and of course, there was freestyle wrestling. You know, we, we were, um, you know, supposed to go and do freestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I won. Uh, I don't know, three or four state uh, state championships in freestyle. So was the freestyle program, was there a kind of a great bridge style of freestyle wrestling? Did they, did they teach freestyle? I I remember Steve teaching a little bit of freestyle, but it was more like just go out there and kind of do the stuff that you normally do. And you'll probably beat most people anyway. I mean, there was not, there was not like a, um, a great technical, you know, resource for freestyle. I mean, I was, I was a funky wrestler. I mean, I liked, I like to do strange stuff and, and, um, and anyway, so freestyle kind of suited and I was kind of a thin guy and I wasn't real, I mean, I might've been, people said I was strong, but I, I didn't feel like I was strong. And, um, and so I was more technical and using leverage. And so freestyle really, you know, was, was great for me. I thought it, it suited me better than folk style. Um, but no, it was, it was more like freestyle was a means to better your, you know, technique and folk style more than they, anybody really focused on freestyle. It may be different now, but I don't ever, I mean, we would still have guys out there Granby and freestyle, you know, and, and, you know, so it, it was, um, and I, it was hard to break that and there wasn't a lot of concentration on focusing on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously the, you know, great bridge coaches expected to win state titles and clearly for a pro for the program, they set clear goals. Did they give you a lot of guidance on teaching you how to set goals and, and help helping you set goals on, you know, what things that were attainable for you? No, not at all. Not, I mean, it was, uh, you were just expected. I mean, it wasn't, they weren't helping us set goals or anything. I mean, you were expected to win a state title. Um, that was the very least that, you know, you were expected to do and hopefully two or three, you know? Um, so no, it was, it was just a built in expectation. Um, if you were on that team, you really should win a state title. I mean, there was, um, you know, a lot of people on that team could, could have gone on another team, the second string guys and come in and placed in state, for another school and didn't even make the team mm-hmm. um my freshman year i didn't even make the team and my sophomore year i got second in state um so and that, and that was i was that wasn't uncommon and there's a lot that was a lot for a lot of guys they didn't get some guys didn't, didn't get a chance until they were you know juniors or seniors um but yeah there, there was definitely an expectation a very high expectation that if you're on this team and look i mean if you're putting your body through what we put our bodies through you don't do that just to, you know, hope you place in state, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't remember anybody just being like, I, I just hope I place in state someday like that. <laughs> that was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. He believed in us sometimes more than we believed in ourselves. And he knew that we could, first of all, he knew how hard we work compared to everybody else, you know, 99%. Um, and so he was like, he'd constantly tell us like, you guys don't understand. Like there's nobody in the state, nobody in the country um, minus maybe three schools that work as hard as you guys do. You should never lose. I mean, that he would constantly tell us that you should never lose. Um, I mean, people would go up to Steve and hand them sheets of what some wrestler did that I was about to wrestle. And Steve would rip it up and just throw it in the trash can and said, 
Stacy's going to tech this kid. I don't care what he does. You know, and this would be like a guy that was like second in state or something. You know, it's just like, it seems like this kid doesn't even have a chance, you know? Um, and I didn't even, I heard about those things like after I graduated college, you know, and people were like, I went up to Steve and handed him this sheet on this tough kid that you were about to wrestle. And he just ripped it in my face and just threw it in the trash can. And um, I was like, well, that sounds like Steve, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, it was, um, but, I, but I, I learned something I, you know, something I did do is a lot of visualization uh -huh. and I learned it in freestyle. Um, as one of the freestyle coaches, it wasn't Steve and it wasn't any great bridge coaches. One of the freestyle coaches that was in charge of us going to nationals and, um, and, and they talked about visualization and then I bought a book on it or read it somewhere. And, um, and, and, uh, and I practiced that, you know, I don't think anybody else did on the team, but I, I would, I would close my eyes and go through the match and envision winning before I went to bed and envision my hand being raised, all the moves I go through. And I, I did do quite a bit of that. Um, I can't say I ever mastered the the thought in my head that I just got to go out like to get rid of the nerves. I think, I think that's a fallacy to, to, that you're going to get rid of nerves by thinking that you can do the best you can do. I think it's important for parents when a kid comes off and just to say, look, you wrestled your butt off, you know, you lost, you know, but let's just, let's get better. Um, but internally, I mean, I was, if, if, if it was, I mean, there's some kids you wrestle that you're like, okay, this is going to be a joke, you know, but, but if it was even a close match, I mean, and, and it wasn't just a walk, like, yeah, I always had nerves, always had nerves. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is a fallacy to think that you can eliminate nerves or even that it would be a good thing to eliminate nerves. You know, I, I think that would be a fallacy, but I do think, and you see this with some kids, maybe not at Great Bridge, but you do see it with some kids where it goes so far in the opposite direction where they're so afraid of losing that I think for, for some of them, I think it's important perhaps to, to go, you know, to, to explain and help coach them through the, the, you know, just what happens, you know, you go out there, you lose what, you know, what's different, you know, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, no big crisis from, you know, from, from a loss. And, you know, I think, I think so. So it may just be that some kids need one type of coaching. Some kids need, need to hear something slightly different. I, I completely agree. I, I, I definitely don't think there's enough coaches and parents, you know, living by that and telling the kids that. And I think the kids need to hear that because, um, and, and I'm, I am not a, you know, everybody gets a trophy type of guy. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, but, but, I, but at the same time, you know, if you think about it and parents would step back and think about it, you know, you don't, you don't win the match on the mat necessarily, you know, you win the match in the practice room, in the weight room, you know, it's, it's, you know, most of the times it's already decided when you step out there. And did, what about getting scholarships? Did they talk to you about the a goal of using, uh, state titles and excellence in high school to, to pay for college. Was that part of, was that part of their, their thinking or did they, I mean, obviously that was what happened. Um, is that something that they talked about or was that also a built in expectation? No, it wasn't, it wasn't really talked about. Um, and it was my goal for sure. I mean, I was very clear that I wanted to get a scholarship and, and that was going to be a, um, that was going to be my ticket to get an education. Um, but no, it, it really wasn't talked about. It wasn't really promoted. 
um, there wasn't really a lot of um, assistance and when it came to like getting you know recruited um, I think you're just kind of expected for you know your 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 ability to kind of bring people to you you know um, so curious how many coaches were in the room walking around just kind of involved so I'm gonna miss somebody um, but you know first of all my my workout partner up until my sophomore year was Matt Small who's now the coach of Great Bridge mm-hmm. and um, and he was kind of a coach in itself you know and um, and a big brother and you know but um, you had Steve you had Wayne you know Billy Martin senior uh, was in there which um, nobody called him Billy Martin Sr. He was he was the old man, you know, and everybody said the old man. And it wasn't in a disrespectful way. Um, it was just that's what I think maybe Steve or Wayne called him that, and 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 obviously not to his face, but it was an endearing term. We said, oh, the old man's here, you know. And uh, one day, uh, I think it was Carl said old man in front of Billy Martin Sr. and uh and carl perry and and uh and billy martin let it be known that he was not the old man and uh and so i from that day on i was like oh i you know it 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 was a loving term to us you know um but you know billy martin senior was in there a lot i mean up until his i mean he had to be in his 80s when he was in there um in that hot 100 degree room um for four hours um and then uh, we had uh, i think david hall was in there a little bit uh while i was there um and chris smith i mean how can i forget chris smith chris smith i mean oh my god the time that guy's put into that program and and what he meant to the kids um at great bridge i mean i i can't i spent countless hours wrestling chris smith and us going at it and um yeah and joey guth i think was not not joey guth oh my god goth i feel i feel horrible for forgetting there, there was many other coaches <laughs> Yeah. There was many other, and, and the college guys would come back, you know, Strickland, like my senior year, I remember Strickland coming back. I think he was at ODU at the time and he'd come back and, and to wrestle me and, uh, and he, you know, he wanted to get a better workout. And so he would come to, to the high school room and work out under Steve and, and have us wrestle. And we would go at it, um, when I was a senior in high school. Um, so a lot of times college guys would come back and especially if they're in the area and, and, and they're, they're like coaches too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a, a huge advantage to have to have the older guys coming back to, to keep the program going. So I, it sounds like that was a huge part of it for you guys. Oh, no, it definitely was. I mean, um, you know, having guys like, you know, Mark Strickland in the room, um, you know, one of the, probably one of the best technicians to ever come out of Great Bridge um, and to be able to wrestle with him. I'm still in high school. He's in college. And you know, he, was, he was four years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that you can't, I mean, there's nobody I was going to wrestle in high school that was even close to Mark Strickland. So, you know, that was, I couldn't have had a better person to beat up on me. You know? Yeah. He's, he's a legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so what about, what about a strength program? Did you guys do, I mean, you mentioned that you were strong, but, but you weren't known from, for big bulky muscles. You know, did you have a, a strength program? Was that a big part of what, of, of the great bridge methods? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the person that kind of took the Great Bridge strength method, I mean, Steve, uh, when I got there, it was kind of like Iowa style. You know, you see the brands videos where they're going, ah, you know, they're, they're just kind of just throwing weights around and it's more of a cardio thing. Um, 
we did that, you know, and then um, Steve Sakis, um, who was the 45 pounder, my and my workout partner, my senior year, um, Steve Sakis's dad, a big Steve um, was like a he was like a state champion bodybuilder and, and weightlifter. And I'm not sure if you ever knew him, but but he was he was he took the weightlifting to a very technical level and really brought Great Bridge weightlifting and strength training to a whole nother level. And so um, my whole high school career pretty much after my sophomore year was was under Steve Sakis's dad's program. And um, and so we, we, you know, we had, you know, we did squats and deadlifts and uh, bench press and and but we also did a lot of um, in season. That was off season, mostly in season. We did a little bit of weightlifting, but we did mostly, you know, pull ups, push ups, walking on your hands you know, more, you know, holding your own body weight stuff, mostly so we don't hurt ourselves, you know, so you didn't get an injury in the middle of the season for doing, you know, your squat technique wrong or something silly like that. Uh, but no, weight training was absolutely a part of the program, but the heavyweight stuff was mostly in the off season, uh, summer and fall. And we got into the season, it was lightweights, repetitions, keeping strength, and then, you know, pull-ups, push-ups. So you mentioned injuries and, um, how much live wrestling was 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 there in the room throughout the year? Was it or not through the year, but through the season rather? You know, so, you know, a lot of coaches will do tons of live wrestling, and then they'll accept a lot of injuries, you know, that come from live wrestling in practice. And then other coaches will, you know, go for thirty second goes, fifteen second goes, situational wrestling. And, you know, they but but they won't have a lot of actual like six minute style or 20 minute style matches. How what do you remember from the Great Bridge room? There wasn't much live wrestling. I mean, when you compare to, you know, you go you go to college or you go up in you know Pennsylvania and they like do 15 minutes of drills and then like go wrestle when they just wrestle the rest of their practice, you know, and and uh, in uh, Steve's practice, it was. You know, of those three, four hours, it was like, you know, two and a half, three of just drills. Mm -hmm. You know, you were just constantly drilling and drilling fast. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and then, you know, it might have been 15, 20 minutes of wrestling. Um, and he was we were very careful about who we wrestled with. And, and you know, you wouldn't put, um, you know, say, you know, me and Carl Perry together, you know, because you know, when I, we just try to kill each other, you know, and I mean, or maybe that's a bad example, you know, Carl and let's say, I think Aaron Beatson or somebody like that, that was his age. Um, you know, they would, they would try not to put people together that are very, very competitive all the time. Um, you know, you wouldn't put a bass night together with, you know, one of his contemporaries at the same around the same weight. So they would, you know, they would mix and match. And when we had somebody that was really good, you know, they would wrestle Steve. Uh, or they'd wrestle one of the college guys that came in. Um, or, you know, sometimes David Martin, Steve's older brother, would come in. And, uh, you know, he worked at the uh, the, the family. Um, I think he was at the time working at the family winery. And uh, and he was probably, he had to be in his late 40s when he came in. You know, he was a four-time state champion. Mm -hmm. and here this guy comes in off the street, you know, just you know, probably been tasting wine all day, you know, at the winery, just making sure the winery is running good. And, uh, he come in there and beat, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a senior, you know, and I'm ranked in the nation 
And this 40 something year old comes in there, weighs the same as I do. It's not like he's a big guy, you know, and just beats the life out of me. Um, it, I mean, it's just like, he's so out of shape you know but he was he was so good he was so good and it's you know keep keeps you humble you know uh but but yeah i forgot i forgot what you asked me i went off on the tangent i think you know i can't remember what i asked you either but i think what you you, you gave me a better answer than probably whatever yeah. you deserved yeah 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 um yeah I, I i don't know what years steve martin was at iowa but i went to the, a, a big thing for me was going to the Jay Robinson intensive wrestling camp where Jay Robinson, at one point he was the assistant coach for, for Gable and really did a lot of the practice room kind of, you know, design. And so, you know, he always made the distinction between hard drilling and drilling and, you know, hard drilling was basically live wrestling, but it was controlled. It was, it was, you know, it was drilling but it was really intense drilling. And, you know, it sounds like in the, you know, in the, uh, in the, the, the Steve Martin room, there wasn't a lot of just free form, you know, live wrestling, but there was really intense drilling, maybe of that kind of nature. Yeah, it was, it was surely intense drilling, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was, I wouldn't call it like live drilling or anything like that. I mean, it was, um, you were literally just building muscle memory, doing things thousands and thousands of times. Um, I remember being at the beast of the East and, um, and the, the Blair coach who's, I forgot who Buxton, I think is, was the Blair coach at the time. And he, um, commented to somebody that he had never seen a, a, a better technical team than he was watching the great bridge kids drill. And I mean, you, I mean, from, from the worst kid on the team to the best kid on the team, the worst kid on the team, you could not tell from watching him drill that he was not good at actually wrestling, you know, because you just did it so many times. Um, I mean, every little, I mean, Steve would, you know, your elbows a little low, your hand goes here. I mean, and, and between him and Wayne and, and Billy Martin senior, um, you know, it, you were just, you were perfect. You could, I mean, I, I could, I haven't, I haven't done an inside step or sweep in, you know, 20 years. And I, I guarantee you, I could do one right now perfectly because I just, I, my body has not forgot. I've done so many of them. I, I just, I could do it. So, so how did you make the transition into, um, organic farming? Oh, that's a really long answer. Uh, so, so I came out of American and, uh, at the time I was, I was helping out with a, um, a, a gentleman from Georgia was, it met me at the Granby school and I was helping his son and his son's partner, uh, at the Granby school. And he was so impressed with how I dealt with his son. He offered to bring me down to uh, Georgia to teach camps there. So while I was in college, after I'd stopped wrestling, um, he would fly me down to Georgia and I would teach camps in the, in the weekends and, and he would, you know, pay me a little bit and give me some running money and, and school money and I'd fly back. And, um, and so, um, I met some, had made some contacts through doing that in, in Georgia and, uh, met the gentleman that I ended up coming out of school and working for long story short, um, and for a German REIT, a real estate, real estate investment trust. And uh, they raised money out of Germany and would would buy U.S. real estate mostly in uh, New York City. And so I was an underwriter for them, and uh, and property management analyst. And so I, you know, by the time I was twenty three, twenty four, I was 
had a, it was the underwriter or property management analyst on close to $5 billion in real estate. And, um, and so that, you know, that, and that opportunity came through wrestling, you know, it came through helping people through wrestling and, um, would not have had it without it. And, um, and so I left that company at some point, um, and went on to do, um, uh, commercial real estate development, mostly on the retail side, doing build a suits and things like that. And, uh, and then got recruited from another company to go and, um, uh, and work in Charleston, South Carolina to do, um, more of the same, uh, most from Walmart to McDonald's to Rick Hendrick dealerships to everything in between. And when I was doing a Rick Hendrick dealership in Durham, uh, I, I, I was here. I mean, I was living in Charleston, but I was away from my family here probably, you know, um, you know, three weeks out of the, out of the month. And so I, I would, I would not, you know, it's a five hour drive. I'd, you know, I'd get stuck on a day and I had a meeting a day. So I, I had to waste some time sometimes. And, um, so at night I would, I got tired of the Durham bar. So I'd start driving around the area and just kind of checking out the scenery. And I ran across Warren County and I was like, man, this place is, it's beautiful. It's, it's got, uh, rolling Hills, kind of like Northern Virginia course country, but it's an hour away from Raleigh and it's 20 minutes away from, you know, where I live is 20 minutes away from Carr Lake and Lake Gaston. And it's just, uh, it just struck me as a great place to live and, 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 and invest also. So I called my wife and I said, I, I think, you know, we should buy some land here. I think it's, it's a good investment. Growth is coming up this way. And, and, uh, about a couple of days later, a broker that I'd said to look out for me called me and said, Hey, this, this farm is about to come for sale. It's 90 acres and, um, it's right here. He showed me where it was. And, and I called my wife and I said, we've got to buy this farm. And, uh, and I ended up buying it before she even saw it. Um, and so I was like, look, you're going to love it. It's, it's going to be great. And, uh, but if you don't, you know, it's investment. So we can, we can just hold on to it or sell it or whatever you want to do. And, uh, and I, I'm so lucky to have the, I mean, I've got a beautiful, just so supportive wife that is amazing mother, amazing wife. And I joke, I told somebody the other day, I could, t I could tell her, I said, we, I'm going to start a company and we're going to build rocket ships. They're going to go to Jupiter. And she'd be like, that's awesome. Like, you can do it, you know? And seriously, I mean, I, um, so um, so yeah, so w we bought the farm and literally, and, uh, and then, uh, very shortly after that, we kind of, we kind of decided like, Hey, like Charleston's getting a little busy. Um, you know, we don't have to, I got into the point in my career where I didn't have to really, I could do what I wanted to do, you know? And, and so my wife's like, well, let's, let's move up there and build a house up there. And so uh, we decided to do that. And then we were originally, we we're going to have a, um, just a really efficient passive solar house. And then, um, the, the electric company kind of pulled a switcheroo on us on, you know, okay, it was going to cost this much to get to the middle of your property. Cause we're several thousand feet off the road. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then when we went to actually do it, they're like, oh no, it's going to, it's going to be, you know, this times five, you know, and, uh, and being a wrestler and not liking to you know, had that happen to me. I said, okay, well, how much would it cost for me to buy solar panels and batteries and build an underground structure for the batteries and all that good stuff. And, and uh, so I calculated that and then told them that they could keep their power. And, uh, and I, and I, we've been here in an off grid passive solar house for four years. I think the house has been built. For, we've been here here longer than that, but the, the house has been built, I think for four years now, no electricity going to it completely off grid. I'm podcasting right now from, um, 
from an off-grid house that we produced the power for. It's an amazing story. And, uh, and I knew that your wrestler background had to have helped, you know, had to have helped oh. all of this. Oh, completely. And, and so, and so the farm kind of naturally followed that to answer your question. I mean, you know, we, we, we have a huge property. So, um, one of the first things I did was plant, um, several thousand fruit and nut trees. Um, and the wrestler came in, you know, in handy there too, because before we had a tractor that had a planter device on it, we'd, you know, I, I would, there's days where I planted hundreds of trees with a shovel, you know, and, uh, and, and people were like, you know, I'm, I think I'm gonna plant 10 trees this year. You know, I, I think I'll get to that. I'm like, I planted 10, like this hour, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it, wrestling, wrestling keeps coming back in your life. You know, that it, it, it is a, and I've had wrestlers that I've helped come back and tell me, and, and I told them this when they're kids, I was like, you will look back on this and you'll see it as a point of strength that's going to help you. And, um, and I really believe that I think, I think too many people miss the point that the point of wrestling is to make you, you know, a better human being, mm-hmm. you know, to, to completely make you more resilient, make you tougher. You know, when you've been on a mat with somebody and these kids these days, um, you know, a lot of kids are, you know, this is getting offended from what somebody says to you, whether it's appropriate or not. I mean, that's on them, but to let somebody get to you with the words, you know, is, is insane to me. You know, I mean, we would, we would literally fight in the wrestling room, um, and be hugging each other the next day, you know, and, and bloody noses, cuts on eyes and, you know, and literal fist fights, you know, over things. And, and, and the next day we're hugging each other and, and you better not talk bad about, you know, one of the fellow, fellow wrestlers, you know, they got your back, you, you know, so um, it, it sticks with you for a long time. And, and I wish, I, I do wish though, I, I think some people, a lot of people get out of, because wrestling is a tough sport and it's a sport where you're very aggressive, mm-hmm. but you know, you don't have to take that off the mat, you know, off the mat, um, you know, th- you should be kind to people and, and be good to people and help people. Um, and, and you can have an attitude on the mat. You know, a lot of people were surprised at when I stepped off the mat, you know, how, I wasn't crazy, you know, I wasn't, you know, all, you know, hyper, you know, but when, when we're on the mat, I'm trying to rip your arms off, you know, and, and legally, uh, Wade Shiles said legal pain, you know, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to make you feel as much pain as possible legally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it is a, it's a wonderful tool. It's a wonderful discipline. And I mean, I can't recommend it enough for kids, especially kids that are having, you know, problems, um it, it's it's a great thing yeah i think kindness is a sign of strength it's you know when you are uh going through these practices every day you're you're building up your body you're building up your mind as well because it's it's all about mental conditioning as well you know i think it's a huge sign of strength when when you have people who can go out there and and beat the crap out of each other and then and then be friends afterwards yeah yeah and 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 it's, you know, little, little times in life, you know, where it, you know, when you have that confidence that, you know, and, and that's one, one reason I tell people, um, you know, you, you should be kind to people anyway, but you never know if somebody's a wrestler, right? I mean, look at Wade Chalice. I mean, Wade Chalice has got these big, I mean, look at me. I mean, I don't look like I'm very tough, you know, and uh, Wade Chalice has got these big Coke bottle glasses, you know, and uh, looks like a complete dork. Uh, but he is a bad dude, you know. I mean, he's got the pin record, I think, still uh, he does. in the 
NCAAs. Um, and you would never know it from talking to him. Um, but you know, I've heard stories of him being at bars and people picking fights with him and stuff. And just like, ugh, like that, that's exactly, you know, you, you never know when you're going to run to a wrestler, you know, yeah. and if for any other reason than that, you, you should be nice to people. <laughs> I think that's good advice. Um, yeah. so, so if people are interested in, in file, finding out more about you, more about your, your farm, You've got a, um, they're in luck because you've got a podcast of your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we've got, um, so like the plant S O W edible.com and you just type in so edible on Google where the first 20 that pop up. Um, and we started this when we started the farm and, um, it, it goes from when we started all the way to now we talk about, you know, dogs we got we talk about how when we we're planting trees we talked about the tractor breaking down we talk about being off grid how we designed the house and it's it's really um you'll learn more than about me than you ever wanted to know for sure uh but we don't talk about anything but you know sustainable development which i'm pa very passionate about and uh and really just the life the life we live you know and uh we started off and like the first couple months we're like there's two people listening like they're Two people download us on iTunes, and I think our biggest month now has been forty thousand downloads wow. uh, in a month, which is just insane to me. Um, and and because we haven't advertised it at all, and we you know we've got we've gotten calls from you know the largest magazines for sustainable development in the world wanting us to you know podcast for them. So it's uh, it's 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 cool. It's cool. You know, it's and if you want to check it out, you know. Love for people to check out soedible.com so or, and if you're a wrestler and um, I love helping people out. I mean, if you hear this and you want to connect, you know, even if I've never met you before, I'd love to help you out or give you some advice or whatever. I will put the link in the show notes. Uh, I've started, I've started listening to it and I know you said that it gets better after the first few episodes, but I, I really like the first few episodes. I think they're, I think they're pretty good. So I'm looking forward to, to, to listening to more. Yeah, the general consensus consensus that people say is, um, you know, we like the podcast. Um, you know some stuff, but your wife's awesome. That's 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 kind of our podcast. Very nice. That sounds like a good yeah. uh, good dynamic. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. She she is the star of the show for sure. Yeah. Well, Stacy, I really appreciate having you on having you on Backpoints. Uh, this has been great. Really, uh, really learned a lot today. Cool, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Would love to do it anytime. Thanks for listening to Backpoints today. If you want to support the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you find the show. Also, it helps us if you give the show a rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Feel free to also make a donation via Patreon at patreon.com backpoints. Thanks and see you next episode.